All right. Danny Swain changed my life. Let's see here. Where do I start? Well, first off, I feel like if you're listening to this now, you should go back and listen to the episode that I put out last week. I understand that there's like a lot of hectic shit that's been going on in the world to the point of where it's like, okay, me promoting my podcast to the world or you or you even taking a listen to my podcast in the world is not the most pressing thing going on right now. I, I do understand uh, people missing last week's episode, but it was a pretty good one. Uh, Sylvan McHugh, uh, I listen back. It's like while I'm having these conversations with people, like I'm just the interviewer and... I'm not really dwelling on whether they're giving good or bad answers in the moment. I'm just trying to get a compelling conversation out of people. And I, I don't ever really stop to dwell on, like, while the conversation is happening, unless it's an amazing conversation. Like, oh, what exactly did he just say? I just let people talk. And then it comes out how it comes out. But yeah, you should listen to the one I dropped last week. Like, it was a good conversation. Like, listening back to it it's better than I remember the conversation being okay because like I said uh, when I'm in the moment of being the interviewer I'm just the the guy who's you know on one end of the mic like I'm not really super focused on every word the person is saying I just I just let them get theirs off and the Sylvan McHugh one was, was better than I expected it to be um now the numbers don't say that but it's a great episode worth checking out in my opinion but you know humbly speaking again all of my shit is dope anyway Danny Swain how did this saga if you will start I want to say around the 2007 ish era um yeah, 2007-ish era, I want to say with Danny is Dead, I'm pretty sure that's where the saga began, Danny is Dead. Me being who I am, and this is still who I am to this day, I'm the person that's trying to not necessarily be a tastemaker, but, and I, I kind of hate that word, I hate tastemaker, I hate curator. I hate, it's just terms that almost come to mean nothing, like quote unquote, you know, cool terms, like this is what I call myself because I want to brand myself and I want to be cool enough for people to recognize me and give me money for being this, but a lot of people who say that curator and tastemaker shit, like they... They just say it just to say it, and they're, they're not really, you know, they're not really about shit. But me personally, I've always kind of taken pride on being early, okay? Even if it's like me and the artist in question are the only ones that know how early I was. I don't necessarily do it for the big recognition. It's just like I take personal pride in like y'all was on this shit before everybody, and and I, I don't get mad when when people hop on a wave, 
uh, I I get kind of irked to some degree when artists change their trajectory and change their style to adapt to a larger audience but you know that's understandable because everybody got to eat but for example uh, there's an artist named Levi Watson to me he's better than everybody okay just fucking everybody like he's better than like 8 out of 10 rappers you're listening to right now Twitter 222 followers he put out a great album debut album was called Neptune this is around 2012 and he's, he's still like practically undiscovered but I can say I was early. Uh, at, the, at the time of this recording, he has 222 Twitter followers. Kevin Abstract, I played his music on my other show, Go In Radio. I'm not going to go as far as to say Kevin Abstract is going to be like a superstar with like millions of followers. But he's on the way to that like Theophilus London level of fame or... Who's somebody who's like big, but not a household name? Um, Kevin Abstract might be on the way to like that. Maybe McConan level of fame. Or maybe like the awful records uh, level people level of fame right now. He has 16,000 followers. I, w- I was a fan in 2011. Okay playing his music or sometime like 2011 2012 maybe playing his music on my podcast because it's just like you know i you know i just love to you know show support the most infamous example is tyler the creator uh, i was within like his first somewhere like in his first thousand twitter followers i was one of them uh that young gentleman is now sitting on three million twitter followers Okay, uh, let's see here. Three million Twitter followers. And I was, like, within the first thousand. So, like, when somebody's buzzing, or not even buzzing, or when, when, when like, the right people, quote-unquote, or the people that want to brand themselves, not that, not the people that want to brand themselves as tastemakers, people I actually consider to have good taste, like, when they, or people who I can, like, trust to be on what's next, when they're like talking about people I'm gonna check them out that's kind of how I discovered Danny is dead and I was like oh this is my new nigga right here and fast forward to 2008 ish era yep and I love her came out uh put my girlfriend at the time onto it and like she came up later on in the show by the way if she were to ever hear this show or you know that little brief segment towards the end of the show absolutely no love lost i hope you're doing well um absolutely no love lost i made a little comment about the time in which we were together it's it's not reflective of my feelings towards you at this point um i mean she should know there's no hard feelings um yeah, I just made a little comment about, oh, this is what was happening at the time. So, 
And I didn't even say any names, so... Like, I hope she doesn't bug out if she hears it. But... And, like, if you, like... If your memory is, like, so long that you know who my girlfriend was in 2008... Get the fuck out of my business. Anyway, uh, put her on to that. And... It was just like, okay, yeah. I'm looking forward to, you know, pretty much anything dude drops. Whereas Danny happened, so on and so forth. And then, uh, I guess we had some mutual frustration with the state of trying to get a break. And the first song of the day that I'm playing is the Where, not the Where is Danny, uh, and I love her intro, uh, dealing with his frustrations. And that was a song that might be my most played Danny song ever. Uh, that was a song that I felt, you know, in my heart and spirit, like I felt the frustration at one point of trying to get on or trying to be recognized for your talents and being ignored and your determination to just push through. And I played that a lot, okay, like a fucking lot, like maybe on a daily basis at one point I was playing that intro and... So, the title of today's show is Danny Swain Changed My Life. That is kind of like a... uh, I named it that for multiple reasons. Number one, it kind of jumps out at you, I think. And I need to do better with my labeling things and headlines that catch people's eyes. And it's kind of like poking fun at the J. Dilla Changed My Life people. The t-shirts. Yeah, so Danny Swain did not quote-unquote changed my life um there were some coincidences that happened a lot of you know coincidental things ran together and I kind of changed my own life by way of working hard by way of doing him a favor um, or a couple of favors, you know, changed my, my life. Um, doing them a couple of favors that, you know, changed my life. There was a phone call, which we discussed at the beginning of the show. And then there was an article I wrote just off the muscle, just like, oh, whatever. You know, I'm just going to throw this on my website, you know, just to, just to support my man. Like, I don't really give a fuck about writing right now but you know here here it is I'll, I'll just do him this solid and that started my career basically that kick started my career that that review that I published for my personal website that that changed everything pretty much uh, that made some history on the internet that it just did a lot okay and i'm not gonna do a i'm not gonna be talking much longer because this is a super long intro already and i do want to get just to the meat and gravy of the show but uh what i will say is if i had not taken that phone call or if i had not yeah yeah if i had not you know given him the time of the day 
for that phone call. Even though we're cool, it's like I'm, I'm gonna look out for anybody who I'm like cool with. Like I, I probably wouldn't just take no call from no stranger, or but I, yeah, I'm gonna look out for anybody who I'm cool with. And then, but like if I had not written that review, it's just like who knows if I'd ever be on. I might have just quit by now. Like a lot, a lot of people thought they were on and no names or whatever. But a lot of people thought they were on and popping in 2010 it never happened for them and they quit um so yeah what i want to say most of all is this is my gem of the day for you people okay there's nothing wrong with helping people out okay i I see like this kind of trend of people being offended on twitter by people asking them for I get it if it's like strangers or what have you and you you kind of having like a cold shoulder towards strangers or, but people get offended on Twitter when like people make these tweets like oh I'm so offended by people asking to pick my brain you know people asking me you know for my expertise etc etc and i'm just like yo number one information is free okay we're in the digital age use your knowledge base to help somebody out okay if if you can like if you have the time and if you have the desire of course if that's your people use all that to you know help help the next man because it always comes around it's just good energy like energy always uh, comes back to you so like I did him that solid that it didn't get me nowhere immediately but a couple of months later you know fate and fuckery and you know people with shitty morals kind of just all you know it all co-mingled and it got me to where I am right now and then fast forward four years later just grinding just putting in work like not worrying about oh i gotta write full time i gotta you know i gotta pay my bills right not worrying about none of that just worrying about representing myself as a writer the best way i can i've built up enough respect uh from people to where i've made more money and I've had more money making opportunities and I'll leave it there just off just off the strength of my you know my writing because I, I hate networking I'm, I'm shitty at networking people see what I what I'm capable of or what I could bring to the table and they holler at me and we make it happen okay so anyway with no further ado let's get into the show thank you Danny for doing the show uh just thank you for all the support uh it's always been reciprocated but thank you for you know everything over the years thank you as a listener if you're listening through my rambling and whatnot today at the beginning of the show and you know enjoy this episode all right let's get into it and i love her intro it's not a lot of music being played today it's just a lot of talking about different things peace février 
sleepers yeah. Only thing to change was my crates got deeper Big shoes to fill were to Aesop sneakers You're supposed to be with Jux, but I just don't give a fuck What the fuck is I'm supposed to do? Bills don't pay themselves under shells where they kept me at Left these way for dead, so I said I'm bringing sexy back And by sexy, I mean that real shit That's supposed to have a deal, so what's the deal shit? How real is this? Really got no time for the sad songs My harmonica is empty, I'm just trying to get ahead Monica Lewinsky took matter in his own hands like a physicist Look at him, he's his own man, I can live with this Never really been the type to fret I just forget and get beats off my chest Please excuse me if I sound perturbed It's half of you clowns, it's nerds that beat off to West Who's gassing you niggas, son? I can hate to stand there and say I sound like him. Hell no. Kick rocks, bitch. Tim boots, vans, and shell toes. All them joints with the Velcro. Diabetic jump offs. You still comparing me in 2008? You chumps lost, pocket full of gems. But y'all was way too occupied comparing me to him. That y'all missed the boat, missed the train. Yes, D Swain was overlooked. So I'm on the flight home. The game was overbooked. Everybody rap now, son. I compete when everyone's a hustler And I'm just a producer Choking on these vocals Heimlich maneuver It will over half my life Sometimes the mind can trick the trooper Into thinking that it shine is just the blooper Of course it feels just like a fluke Whenever I get pressed But let's be honest I'm killing niggas right now Word to Jeffrey Dahmer Every honor, every accolade accumulated You have hated Never really giving me props So tell me when the ignorance stops Feeling like J and I 5 VA in 03 Today is the day that I broke free Stand on my own too I guess I need to do what I need to do Tell me how you feel if no one believe in you Made it to the majors Eight months later Still can't get an article on Fader What the Niggas act like I don't even exist You believe this shit, son? Yo, my demographics all over the place Kids like it when I keep it clean Sort of like an organized bookshelf Plus I'm 24 and I look 12 So that helps Player of the year Win more awards than Matt Phelps I put it down for the eclectic crowd The sexually depraved And those who shout the expletives loud And rock the Danny necklaces proud And they ain't fan forever These jealous rappers make it rain But can't stand the weather They brighten everything I do now, son all I ever wanted was shine, but they gave me a dimmer Tried to throw me overboard, and I ain't even a swimmer Having talent ain't enough, it isn't fair They say you gotta be groundbreaking just for niggas to care So this is my last album, this is my last volume This is the last dance, meet my ass in the ballroom Yeah saying relax a little bit at the end of the day it's just music thursday throwbacks i'm here with danny swain uh man i have a decent amount of history with i mean do, should we just start giving give the, the breakdown give him the breakdown young h give him the breakdown uh i don't do the young h thing anymore but oh sorry sorry it's, it's just, all good we'll, we'll leave it on there mr um we're not putting that out on the air either it's getting edited out but <laughs> we can start over just, <laughs> what do you go what do you go by what do you go by 
Go in radio.com, I guess. Yeah. I don't I don't have an official name. I won't call you anything. I just won't call I don't, you shit. Like people that know me in real life call me whatever they call me, but I don't have a, yeah, a yeah. real name. So the history is wild. I was a fan. And then it's like we played a crazy role like in each other's careers. Like you hit me up one time and you were like, like, can I hit you up tonight? Can I give you a call about something? Yeah, yeah. And, and see I, at this at this point, before I even says that, at this point, like him and I had it already like a mutual relationship and yep. since that like I was putting music out he's gonna give me props about it um at that point like I had a lot of online um fans I guess that would hit me up like hey I like your stuff keep moving and he was one of the first people I remember that made like a blog post about me back when the blogs were doing their thing so I remember him in the back of my mind I remember everybody in the back of my mind ever gives me any props so I was like I'm gonna look out this guy and as we're years passed by yeah him and I got cooler and cooler I gave music first head first hand and and now we are at fast forward 2011 you take it away so yeah you hit me up and it was like I never told you this but I thought I was about to be like on yeah like in the industry he was like yo I gotta give you a call can I talk to you about something yeah I thought you knew somebody that had a job for me at Interscope or well you in a way you did get on yeah, eventually I, oh, I definitely got on <laughs> eventually uh, but not that day yeah with that call it was like he's probably more eager to take that call thinking that that was why if he, if he knew it wasn't right. gonna be that he'd be like nah fam I'm busy fam call me tomorrow nah I mean I always try to look out for people <laughs> Yeah. But he, yeah, I went into the call thinking like you had a job for me. You yeah. just asked me for a bunch of advice, and I was like, Yeah, yeah. I was like, I wasn't let down, but I was like, All right, it's not my time. Yeah, yet. but that too, and that too, and see, and I remember, I remember feeling that in your voice, and I was like, Man, I thought you know he was down, you let me out, but I, I was remember, late though. I was tired. Yeah, and I figured yeah, it was like eleven o'clock or something. Yeah, it was late as hell. I give, yeah. I give him that, folks. But um, but yeah, he helped me out anyway. He taught me off the ledge. I was pretty much um going through a time where I was on the scope, and you know, I was putting out records, or now sorry, I was about to put out a record, but no how to actually go about doing it without getting the right amount or wrong amount of attention. So he suggested, man, just you gotta get those cosigns, you gotta get big name artists. And I said, all right, I can do that. Like I was like <laughs> a off the record, not off the record, but it was like, kind of like an unheralded consultant for an album that never came out officially. Yeah. Like I was like the <laughs> consultant for this, this album that just kind of, yeah. Suffice to say, it kind of trolled the internet, or it kind of trolled the, the world. The entire world. Yeah, it, tro it trolled the entire world. Um, and I should, be, I should be talking about. I should be talking about this album, but we'll talk about it some other time. Yeah, the dead album <laughs> never came out, and then the, um, there was another one though. Yeah. Then, then the official version came out, and it was like pretty much altered, and you know, yeah. in a lot of ways. Let me ask you. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I, I would never ask to ask you to reveal how the whole, you know, the trolling sure. went down. Sure. But like. How did some of the leaks start to happen? Well, um, because they were they were like leaks. Because you gave it to me, and you were like, "Fam, this cannot get out ever." Absolutely. You know, I was very. But then there were leaks, and then like people were like pissed. And, like when I heard the album, I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Okay, this is my man, but this can't." <laughs> This can't come out. No, this no. can't be real. Like, oh yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, he's definitely in trolling. A, in a lot of ways, it wasn't real, but we'll talk about that some other day. Yeah. Again, I probably should talk about that, but we'll we'll figure it out. We'll see how it goes along. But anyway, um, yeah. So um, again, I'm very sentimental about my art, and I and at the time, again, there were a handful of people that were like, "Yo, Danny, man, we're rooting for you." And he was one of them. And I was I remember being a part of this message board, a few message boards actually, but one of them was Kanye to the dot com and. Uh, a lot of fans on there are like, yo, Danny, you gotta drop the album, you gotta drop it. And some of them befriended me, they're like, yo, man, like, I'm a big fan, like the biggest fan in the world. And I'm like, aww. So I'm like, I, I, even though I'm like, I'm not trying to be 
open with the album. I'm a little soft spot for fans. I'm like, you know what? I see this one song, but don't send it to nobody else. And that's what exactly what wound up happening. So I got a little, Oh, you sent them the Tyler joint? Not the whole, whole joint. So I would send them like, oh, yeah, Tyler joint for one was one of them. And I think that, that leaked and then that was the one. Yeah. yeah. So I sent somebody on some message board who again buttered me up and was like, yeah, you know, I'm a big fan, Danny. Give me the Tyler joint. Yeah. And I sent it to him. I think he wasn't sending it to anybody else. And that's exactly that's what he did. And yeah, Tyler got pissed. Um, a lot of other songs, a lot of other songs leaked, but um, that's the only one that got like backlash, I think, from the actual artist himself. But uh, every other song that leaked, that was so under the radar, which is again the, the reason the album was put together the way it was, and the reason why it never came out is because I was under the radar. I was trying to test and see who would even pay attention to these high-profile collaborations, and you know, for the most part, it worked. But because the album never came out, I never got to see the impact of what it could and couldn't do. I feel like if it came out. Uh, a lot of funny things will happen industry-wise, but again, that's another story for another day. We will see. Okay, yeah. so I, I wrote in, I wrote a review of this album mm -hmm. uh, that just kind of that made history. Yeah, like people still talk, people still bring this up to this day, and I'm just like, it's bridge under the water to me, but that yeah definitely made history well, uh, in some regard. Some regard. Well, again, uh, young. Um, my, my friend was expecting a phone call of a certain caliber, and that, it didn't happen then. That like, got me yeah. to where I am now. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I appreciate. Like again, I'm very. What's the word I'm looking for? I, I appreciate people who appreciate me. So if someone's got my back. I try to look out for them in the long run, no matter what happens. So the review came out. I remember reading it. Not only admiring it because it was one of the first ones about that album I was putting out, but because. Whether he realized it or not, to this day, I, we never him and I never talked about this, but the way he wrote the review, it, it was like he knew he was in on the whole entire thing. That's, and no that's one, what I try to do. I try to yeah. get into uh, the artist's mindset yeah. when they're making an album or like where sure. they're coming from. But yeah, I, 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 I think the advantage tried. there, I think the advantage there for you, because like you said, being not, you and I talk. So you knew yeah. the frustration I was going through, I called you on the phone, and then you knew that. It's too good to be true. What's going on? You know what I'm saying? You yeah. kind of know the question certain things. Everybody else is just kind of like, oh, yeah, son, like E-40's on the track. Yeah, Pharrell's on the track. But no one's like, how or why? Right. You know, so right. I appreciate that. Not only was that monumental because of that, but because I memorized the review so much, I saw it again a few months later on a, a certain website that someone had pilfered some of the content from. And I was like, this looks a lot like my homeboy's uh, review. Right. And the rest, you can explain. Right. I think it was the, around the, the time of the... The uh, host's favorite new rapper, you know, sensation. Right. And mind you, mind you, this is how dumb this person. Is. And I've never, I've never even thought about it this deep on this level. Yeah, yeah. But now that I'm sitting here with you, this is how dumb this person was. Sure. She pitched. I'm sure she pitched it. Yeah. Like, absolutely. oh, host's favorite rapper. You know, can I write the review? Absolutely. But she pitched it for an album that just doesn't exist. They, like right. that, yeah. that didn't exist. She like just, she wouldn't have it unless she personally kind of sent it to her. Right, and you know what? I never thought about this now either. I just thought about. I figured that you know she was trying to get on. She was a writer, but then I'm like, I just need the album. I only sent the album to the people who I wanted the album to go to. Right. So not only did you write an album or you write an album review, I'm doing quotation marks in the air, but you didn't even hear it to begin with. You couldn't. Have. It's right. impossible. You didn't, right. You didn't hear it, and I never even thought about it. Like ten so people have this album. Cool. Right. She never heard it. <laughs> yeah. And so, suffice to say, she stole a lot of my words, and we pretty much trolled her into oblivion. No one's seen or heard of her ever since then. The last I time mean, I was she's still around. Yeah, 
she's still around. Like people hit me up, like, yeah. like yo, she's still around. Like how is she still around? Writing or? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I heard doing real estate. I thought she was doing real estate at some point. I could be wrong. Uh, I mean, she's still around, but she <laughs> kind of lost a lot of respect. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was just. But you know what's funny about that, and it's funny how this also is kind of turning into a, a discussion about this album after all, uh, as far as classic albums are concerned, but um, what she did, even though I didn't like it and I definitely trolled her off the internet, but in a sense it was sort of the same ballsy move in a sense to put the album together in the first place. So part of me has some endearing like, see what you did there. You took a ballsy move that I did and made a ballsy move of your own. But, you, <laughs> but mine had more finesse, way, way you, more finesse. You were creative about it. She just. <laughs> Stole people's words. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty and like, change a couple of sentences here and there. Yeah. And just, yeah. Oh, man. Lazy. Because you hit me up like, yo. you hit me up like, yo, is this you under another name? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I was no. And I knew the answer to the question already. So I was, I, like, I was like, nah. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, just, that was, like, I'm not a person who gets angry easily. Sure. But that was one of the angriest days of my life. Okay. That was definitely, like, I'm sitting. On, on so many levels. I'm sitting at my job. Yeah. You know, at my day job at the time. Okay. Uh, I, I, I get hit up from you, and I'm just, I'm just like, what? Like, is this? To be honest with you, I thought he would take it a little better in the sense no. that, like, joking, we're still gonna like confront her about it. But I thought he'd be like, ha ha, lol. But he was like really devastated, and I had no, no idea it was affecting like that. I was, oh man, that was that like one of the angrier days of my life. Yeah. Like, I'm because. I, the thing is, and, and it's funny how uh, life works, but I wrote that uh, review at a time when I was like just ready to quit. Yeah, I made that album at a time when I was ready to quit. Right, Please I wrote continue. that review when I was just like, you know, I was just going to put it up on my blog, like just to practice or just to, you know. Yeah, you told me that. Man he, even told me, he even told me, yeah, I'm not going to hurry, I'm not going to rush this, I'm going to do it when I, on my own time. I right. Said, I said, that's fine, take your time. Yeah, because it was just like, what's the purpose? Like, nobody is giving me a look. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was frustrated on so many levels because the, I don't know if you remember her name, but the woman who wound up becoming my editor at the time. I don't remember her name, no. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say names because that would be petty. A little bit. But. <laughs> We're not uh, petty over here. The woman that wound up becoming my editor oh, at Hip Hop DX, this is someone I knew in real life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Knew I was a writer. Okay. Would not give me a shot until she was forced to. Wow, so even by, after the... By that situation. That situation forced them to just be like, okay. Oh, so you were already over there when it happened. No, no, I was hitting her up. Like, yo, can you, you know, you oh. know I'm a writer. You know me in real life. Oh, that's what you're saying. Like, yo, okay. give me a shot. Nothing. But, but when that happened, then it was like, okay, fine. Okay. It was like, we ha we have no choice. Yeah. Because we're going to look horrible. Yeah. So since then, man, I've just been... Yeah. I've been going hard. You have to. Like, every... Every assignment, I try to, you know, knock out the box. Overextend, of course. Um, you know, with all humility intact, I feel like I'm one of the better writers they have up there. I mean, if you, if you can't say it, I can. I yeah. mean, like I said, the reason why I hit him up is not just because he's a Danny fan, but because he, he writes well, obviously. And I knew that if somebody's going to review my album, which at the time was important to me, now I can give a shit about album reviews, but at the time, I knew that was my only, one of my only few ways of publicity, in the sense, I don't have a, to this day, still don't have a marketing team, so I felt people would see the album reviews, and these aren't whack albums putting out, so I'm just going to be humble about it, but... Um, I knew at least something would be said about the quality of the records, and I knew the young age, to even us being cool, he would still take a subjective stance and say, you know what, Danny's tight, but he could have done better with this and that. But long story short, it would have been a well-worded article, and um, and it was, but he, he wrote it at the time that he was about to quit, I wrote it, I wrote the album, and made the album at the time when I was definitely about to quit, 
and it worked out for the both of us and throw and drills. That so changed that my life. Changed uh, mine too. Like suffice to say, um, yeah. what that 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 controversy changed your life or that the album? The album, see, the controversy changed uh, your life. The album itself changed mine because yeah. it was a song that you know Jay heard from it that he could quit uh, quest up up about and the rest about that is history. Um, but yeah, uh, the payback payback in general changed <laughs> me and my homeboy's life, and that's what we. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like suffice to say, like. I can't let any eggs out of the basket, but writing has gotten a lot better. I can't, I can't quit my day job off of it yet, but... Yeah, you mean writing like the gigs themselves? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's gotten a lot better. Like, Ooh. I know you're not on Twitter a lot, but if you no, if you watch my timeline, like, yeah. shit is about to get real in July. I'm happy for this dude. Yeah. He's a good dude, good writer. It's about to get real in July. In fact, if we can, we might as well just go ahead and discuss it, man. We already had the introduction, but I mean, I know you said classic albums. Unless you want to talk about classic albums, we can't. Uh, I mean, we could we could keep going with uh, Payback for now, but we, uh, we have more to talk, yeah. talk about uh, okay. with, with that and just your whole history. Okay, cool. um, Would you say that, well, you, you said that that changed your life. Uh, I was going to yeah. say, would, would you say that uh, helped or hurt your career, like the controversy with your album? Well, it's funny. Um, I knew what I was doing. I knew that... Um, if the, the album was ever released in the capacity that it was originally supposed to be and the artists that were, you know, quote unquote on the album caught wind of it, I knew that there'd be some backlash, but I was fine with that. I was okay at that t- time, at the time, like no one, same, like you said earlier, there was not a look. No one was giving me a look. I knew I was putting out records, but, you know, um, as a matter of fact, I was frustrated specifically because my, my previous record, Where's Danny, uh, was to me my best album ever. I was excited about it, you know. Um, I worked on it with my friend at the time, and we... Um, That's coming up. Yep, yeah, okay, and we split up or whatever. Um, I redid the album, put it out again a few years later through Interscope, and um, yeah, no one was checking for it. And I was like, listen to this album, it's great. I can't believe no one heard it. So, I, you know, around that time, I was counted out, being counted out, and I was like, man, if I do this album and put these people on here, however I put them on here, whatever happens, happens, man. I don't give a fuck. And had it actually, had the Jay-Z quest of thing not happened, I probably would have put it out. But because of the capacity and the way I put the album together, I didn't want to hurt that relationship with me and him. So I tucked it away and I um, put out a new version of the album so it wouldn't hurt as much as it would have with no, basically it's like, you know, uh, having nothing else to live for, so you're jumping off the ledge. And it's like, wait, Danny, we love you. So you get off the ledge and kind of like put your, your plans away. It's kind of, it was kind of like that. So the controversy didn't, um, didn't necessarily uh, hurt me in the long run because people's attention spans are very short. But um, and everybody pretty much forgot about the Tyler leak, or I think there's another leak that happened. I forget, but that made people angry. But after the payback really came out and Quest like you know um, took me under his wing, yeah, things definitely got better for sure. I'm in LA right now, in a sense, because I met somebody through Quest that put me on to the TV show that he was uh, a fan of. Got it. Um, so speaking, well, speaking of trolling, um, <laughs> my favorite topic. Your, one of your favorite things to do. Well, before used we to get, be. used before to be. We get to used trolling. to be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Before yeah. we get to the trolling. Yeah. Um, so speaking of where is Danny? Um, what? Why did you go so left field with that? Like, well, just the, you know, you'd have like construction noises in the songs and just. Yeah. Opera here and there, it just—it was like, yeah. Like, why did you add all of that crazy stuff in there? You know, it's funny about that. I was listening to uh, Life of Pablo the other day, and um, isn't—I mean, Kanye doesn't have like construction noises, but a lot of his songs cut off halfway to and midpoint and have random noises in them, and you know, shit like that. So it's funny that you know, that's a question that I get asked a lot. But having that diarrhea type vomit 
spit album where it stops here and starts there and random stuff in there. It's not that unheard of, but I think I did it that way because, um, I don't know, I, I got tired of people saying that, um, you know, my production was being, uh, I was overcompensating for my lyrics being not as great for, um, for great production. So people were basically saying my beats were better than my lyrics, and the reason why my beats were so good, which I sucked as a lyricist, at that time, I wanted to be respected as a great rapper. So I was like, well, hell no, I'm gonna put out an album with all these random beats, and the intermissions gonna be just as random as the beats themselves. So I'm rapping about, you know, lyrical stuff that makes no sense, and I have this, like, Turkish sample, and then, like, I have a construction site playing in the background as well to show you how loopy the album can gonna get. So I try to illustrate just the ADD nature of the record. Um, not to annoy people, I wouldn't say I would call that trolling. That's more like uh, no, no, yeah. trolling was a different topic. Okay, okay, this is just sure. a weird topic. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Where's Danny? Just was supposed to be a random, just a regular random ass. You know, like you never know what's gonna happen next, like unexpected, expect the unexpected kind of thing. And that's all. Well, it wasn't calculated. I didn't say I love construction worker sounds. I'm gonna put that on the album. I just found something that was annoying <laughs> and I just put it on the record. All right. Yeah. So where are you, if anywhere, with Alex Goose at this point? We talked uh, earlier in the first five minutes of the entire conversation about uh, things happening for a reason and divine intervention and all that shit. Um, I have friends from SCAD right now I used to go to school with that are in LA too. They're not here with me, but they came on their own. And a few of them are going to actually link up with a dude and um, Alex Goose. And I heard rumblings that you know reconciliation could be possible. Now you consider that album was you know the fallout rather was about. 2010, 20, 2009, I guess it was. That's six, seven years ago. That's a long time to be estranged with an old friend. So if he's down to talk about it, you know, I mean, we're in the same city for the first time in a few years. So Are I he's out here? Yeah, Goose lives in LA. And I, and actually my friends came from Atlanta too on a different trip all together, mission all together. And they're hanging with, they're, they're still cool with Goose. I'm not. But, um, but I did hear that, you know, he was like asking about me and like, yeah, I hope he's all right. So uh, him saying that's about me. So I mean, I'm open to a reconciliation. I mean, it's, shit happens when you're younger, you know, you don't really know how to deal with things. You get older, you're like, that should never have been a thing, you know. So I'm open to a conversation. I don't have any relationship with him right now, but I'd be interested to see how he is the person seven years later. Good to hear. That's the diplomatic answer, <laughs> you know, okay. just letting you know. So speaking of trolling. Okay. Why were you into prank calling rappers? Well, um, little backstory on that. Again, I was uh, signed to Interscope for a while, and prior to that, I was signed to Def Jux, which is a label that that guy from Run the Jewels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, and I remember when that fizzled out. Well, even when the first one started, I was very, very excited about it. I was like, I got a record deal. Oh my God, this is great. Everything's happening for me. But nothing ever came of that. And when I kind of didn't really get dropped, but it just fizzled out, I was like, man, next time I get a deal, I'm not going to have like nothing to show for it. I'm going to make sure that I get something out of it. I don't care what it is. I just got to make sure I don't, I'm not empty-handed. Um, so I got Interscope, and that went sour too. But I wound up uh, being real cool in the A and R's there. So um, one day when his back was turned, I got like a mad like his industry contact list, list and I just like swiped it, and it had everybody's fucking number. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm not, excuse me. My plan was originally to put payback together by reaching out to these people. So I would call people and I would say, hey, look, I'm trying to get so and so on the track, and I usually get hung up on things like that. So like they're hanging up on me anyway. They're already hanging up on me, thinking I'm a joke. So let me just prank call them, and that's how I kind of came to be. Got it. So. What do you think is the best one that you did? There were a couple of classes. Sure. The classic ones, I think, there, there's two categories that can fall in. Um, one, the main one, which is like when I'm like really 
the conversations are long because they're actually sticking around to hear what's going on. Tyrese is a good, a good one. He's actually two of them I did with him, um, and those are good not only because of how he's like, oh man, it's so, like he's really serious. He's really like believing what's on the phone. But like it also be it also um, bridge relationship I have with me and this actress named Amber Tamlin who trolled him before. So she called wind of that. And she hit me up, and we became best friends, and now you know, I know actors in Hollywood because of that. So it's weird how these prank calls come to be and how they, what they all wind up doing. But Tyrese one's of my favorite ones because he actually believes me. But then uh, my other favorite one is Busta Rhymes. Busta, Busta is legendary. <laughs> legendary Busta Rhymes because I prank called him the most, I think four or five times, maybe six. And the last time I called him, he was like, I'm going to get this motherfucker. So he starts pranking me back. He's like, right. yeah, man, like, you know, your mom's in the studio recording. I'm like, all right. Uh, and I'm not knowing what to do. I'm like, uh, so where's your sister at? He's just throwing it back out. He's like, all right, brothers, we, we laugh about it. You hear the phone call, we laugh about it. So um, it's cool. But um, it started out as just Have a way you ever to... met any of those people that you trolled? Uh, who did I troll? I know I trolled Tyrese. Never met him. It was a good one with Bronson. Never met Bronson. He pretended to be Donald Glover. The only one I knew, the only one I actually know is Big Sean. The other ones, I don't think I actually... I'm trying to think of who else was... Uh, John Witherspoon, I didn't know him. You uh, did call John Witherspoon. Yeah. Um, I think I'm trying to think of everybody. And there actually, and actually, there's a, no one knows about this. There's actually a lot more prank calls I've done that, number one, because of the whole um, quest up thing, I didn't want to make him look bad. Why are you co-signing right. this guy that's prank calling a bunch of people? But second, sometimes prank calls got a little messy. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got to abort mission, but I don't really know how to do it. So um, I had one with Charles Hamilton. And oh, man. Yeah, I actually had a few of them. Well, one prank call, but I actually battled him one time on the phone. It was a battle over, of, a battle over the phone? Yeah, this is, different. this is like different. So I prank called him after the fact. First, we, he um, had a mutual friend of ours. like, yo, Charles, I battled you on the phone. Um, it's different from the prank call. But yeah, we did that. And then um, a few months later, I prank called him. And um, I happened to catch him at a very low point in his life. And I was just basically the psychiatrist for 30 minutes. He didn't know it was Danny. He was like, yeah, man. Like, I, I think I pretended to be like Shady Records. And I think his... Uh, at the time, him and Eminem. He has a thing about him. I don't know what it is about Eminem. He just loves Eminem, yeah, hates Eminem. He's, yeah, he's, he's weird about Eminem. Eminem. I don't know why, but I was like, yeah, Eminem wants to have a conversation with you. Harmless stuff. I thought he was going to be like, yo, fuck Eminem. He's a zombie, whatever. But he was like, yeah, man, like, I'm so depressed. I'm going to kill myself. I'm like, okay, well, uh, well, yeah. And I was like, feeling really bad. I'm never, I'm never going to publish that, more than likely. But, um, so. Wow. Yeah, while we're on the topic, <laughs> yeah, mental health or okay. no, no. The, while we're on the topic of Charles Hamilton, I, I, I can't, I can't ever really say I felt guilty. Um, I can't say I ever felt guilty about what. I'm about to explain. Okay. But I, I felt a little bit. I can't say I felt guilty because it wasn't intentional. Okay. I'm, okay. Wait, I'm waiting for it. Um, <laughs> I was kind of the guy that broke the Dilla story. Really? I oh, broke it. Was this, that's the one on, um, what site was that? I forgot what site it was, but I think it was... No, a, it was Twitter. Oh, Twitter, okay. Like, it was a, like, it, like, to me, it was just a joke. Like, oh, because I, like, I was a reader of his blog. Like, I would, yeah. would kind of read his blog, like, just to see, like, the crazy things he would say. Yeah. It was literally a tweet. Like, ha ha, look at this crazy shit Charles Hamilton said. Executive produced by Jay Diller. Look at this crazy shit Charles Hamilton said. Yeah. Immediately wildfire. Yeah. People sending it to house shoes. People sending it here. Yeah. People sending it there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, this is getting out of control. Right, right. Like, like no one... It would have took a while for it to catch on. For sure. Because nobody really read his blog to see the crazy things he would say. This is what, 2011, I think? 2010? 2000. 
eight or nine ish. Pretty still pretty early on. Eight or nine. Still yeah. pretty early on in like the the news right. age where people get you know stuff. Right. So Twitter was still very much a very good resource for news, I'm sure. All right, and then, and then I uh, met him a few years later. Like you tell him that? You tell him no, that? no, oh, okay. I, I would never. <laughs> Uh, I met him on a train in New York. Oh wow! Uh, he didn't. He didn't seem homeless. He was eating. Hmm. Uh, he wasn't a gangly. Wasn't uh, anemic or anything. He, he was sort of gangly. <laughs> okay. Okay. But uh, <laughs> he had clothes on. He was well, yeah, he, well dressed. He, he seemed okay. Cool. Like he was actually going somewhere. And I just said, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. He said thank you, and that was it. I mean, I was a fan. Like he's for to me, he's made some like dope shit. But sure. he's just he had problems. And shit. Yeah, and and that's another reason why I, kinda... I definitely didn't mean to, you know, overthrow his career or ruin his career. But absolutely. Yeah. If anything, that that prank call was the last one I ever did. I had other ones I haven't published yet. That one with Q-Tip. Where I'm like, yeah, man, like Fife wants to like, you know, uh, fight you or sue you or something weird. And he's like, what? And I'm like, no, no, forget it. I'm not gonna put it out. I don't want to cause wow. a rift between the tribe call. You know what I'm saying? But that one with Charles Hamilton let me realize that people have feelings and people right. don't like to, you know. Right. I don't you can't feel, control everybody. Can't control everybody. I don't feel bad about the the girl who stole your shit, but no, I do. I don't feel bad about her at all. But but no, I do but I understand she's a person with feelings too. No, so. no feelings. No for feelings. Her. Okay. Like it's been water under the bridge. Like I don't have nothing bad to say about her, but sure. I, don't, I don't feel like no. Well, in the no sense that like, if I were to like troll her right now, I wouldn't do that because I'm like no, it's no over. Reason. Yeah, it's yeah. water under the bridge. Yeah, but back then, yeah, she was anyway. So the prank calls were, were definitely a, a good, a, a funny thing, but then it got to the point where not only was I messing with someone's feelings, but um, it wasn't really doing anything for my career, it was funny, but it was like, as a matter of fact, it, um, they actually helped me to get a pitch meeting with Comedy Central uh, a few years back, but nothing ever came of that, so I was like, you know what, I'm just, it's done, you know, it's a done deal, I did all I can do. Alright, so if you had to pick a song from your catalog that you would say maybe best represent you like say for example like my audience is just becoming familiar with you okay okay right, let's check this out um yeah if you had to pick a song that best represents your career what would it, what would it be a song that's out because you know the payback's not out there, there's no yeah. person um i love um I know, I'm not sure if you're supposed to talk about your albums in this way, but you know, and I love it was my favorite record I did, and it got it's a lot a of attention. And I appreciate that, I really do. I think this next album I'm working on right now is definitely a descendant of that, but you'll hear it soon. Um, sorry, the email. But um, I think a, a, a song from that one. No, you get the, no, you know what it is, and I'm, this, this is the one you uh, mentioned a lot too. The world is yours because it's great song. It's uh, before it was before and I love her, but it's, it was me starting to get into my like sarcastic, you know, zone where I'm like saying things that don't really, it's almost, I don't know, like, well, I don't want to put it that way, let's put it, like, basically I was saying things that you wouldn't only say on a rap record, like, oh, I did a song with Britney Spears or shit like that, or, you know, just certain ridiculous things, but at the same time, you know, it's like tongue-in-cheek, you know, I'm not ever going to do these things. So something about some regular guy talking about all these big, great things he's going to do, uh, it's definitely very uh, definitive Danny, I guess, for sure. <laughs> started. I'm the most prolific artist, tried to oust Picasso, use my whole head, nose bled, rhymes out the nostrils, I always ain't supper, but my simple misdetermination dropped a couple hints and yearn for greatness, mama, I'm gonna sing, I used to keep a stack of records from stacks of record, in fact, never met a cat with more records than that, ample samples for picking, my hands was cracked from the mixing, but damn it, damn so ambitious, I think he's on to something, okay, I was slept on so much it should've been a felony What? Let on so much from lies these niggas selling me I kept on for good advice my friends were telling me Now I'm the best on the scene, my scenes are busting Della Reeves <laughs> Yeah, and 
jostling uh -huh. I ain't had to worry about the gangster posturing She kept my head up low when all them games was watching in Told me to be myself and now these swings on top again I told you Danny was bored, so he dropped the classic album Wound up at the Grammy Awards Below the stage front page That means I'm smarter than you other rappers True purse, snuck a peek at Robin True skirt, while you watched it home Keep watching, homes. Catch up, niggas. The world is yours, baby. And that's the truth. Don't ever let nobody tell you what you can and what you can't do. True. Cause in this life, you only get a chance to. True. Don't take these dreams for granted. Make your plans and move. The world is yours, baby. All you have to do is try. You're bound to reach the stars if you just shoot for the sky. So shoot for the sky. Watch me soar across the skies, y'all Ambition big as Tracy Ellis Ross's eyeballs They thought I got and forgot my roots like dice raw Never Eat competition like a Tyson brawl Chew you up and spit you out They told me to never argue with fools So I stayed in my lane just like a carpool Stay true to myself and damn it if it didn't pay off Critics' predictions way off But you know I shed some tears Why must I cry like Ray Dog? Why must I stress? A lot can happen in a year's time I disappeared so my career would be revered I'm still trying to climb and make my mark just like Brazil lines Would've had a singer on this track but Britney Spears declined You got management dude <laughs> But no worries, too much to stay to lose Cast me like if this corny nigga can make it Then I can make it too Now I'm the inspiration but no one will come as far as me Star G Sway Motivation 101 Let's get it I thought I told you I won't lose I'm in my prime where all y'all struggle with the wish I had skills but I don't lose You tried to deny me but I don't give a flying fuck I'm on iTunes, you're on I suck. Your time's up nigga The world is yours baby And that's the truth Don't ever let nobody tell you what you can and what you can't do True Cause in this life you only get a chance or two True Don't take this dream for granted Make your plans and move The world is yours, baby. today you were talking about uh, you were considering doing a Kanye album and uh, what do you make of the Kanye comparisons you know over the years I don't hear them as much anymore but to be honest with you it's probably because I don't even talk about it as much anymore when I first came out with music uh, started doing music my first record was called the college kicked out admittedly that's not a good idea I don't know why I did that but um, that's probably the largest reason why I got the comparisons early on. Every album since then, up until maybe, what, maybe Payback, maybe Where's Danny, I guess. Um, I was like, oh, y'all gonna compare me to Kanye? Oh, it's like that? And I was just talk about it. And the more you talk about negative shit, people are gonna be like, yeah, it's the Kanye West guy. You guys always talk, you know. So, when I stopped talking about it as much, I stopped getting as much. But early on, obviously I didn't care for it, but I know part of it was on me, in retrospect, part of it was on me just mentioning it a lot. Um, if there's anything I can say that that's true about those comparisons, it's just the fact that we produce and rap. 
Chance, you know, is more of a Kanye clone, I guess you could say, or a descendant of him than I am. I just like the guys, uh, I just like the guys uh, at the time, like on 405, I like the guys' music, you know, like his actual, whatever, his personality wasn't a big thing at the time, like people weren't like, asshole Kanye, this and that. This is all about his music. Now, if I got Kanye comparison in 2016, I'd be pretty offended, <laughs> as a matter of fact. So, but back in the day, I kind of, I can kind of see why, but not that much. Because uh, I was dating a girl at the time, mm. and I think I tried to put her onto the Charm mm. uh, title track. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, she was like, this is completely Kanye. Like, what is he? How long? Like, how long ago was this? Like a while ago? Or? 2010 ish. Yeah. Okay. 2010. Okay. When I tried to put her onto it, she was like, "How is this not Kanye?" You know what? I, I'm not gonna pretend like you know. I, I don't hear it sometimes. I would say that of all the, the things you could compare me to Kanye West, besides the first album, College Kicked Out, I could say that the Charm title track has some inflections that sound Kanye-ish. I think there's a lot. I'm like. Uh, Something, something, something can kiss my anus, and I think Kanye was doing all that, like, dun, 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 you know, at the time. But the beat too. The beat. Well, I mean, we have in 2006. Little brother had beats like that. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't like I was the only person sampling soul music. That's and that, and that was my my issue with it in the time. I, I thought that people were being lazy by saying, you know, Danny's Kanye West because he makes soul records and he raps on them. I'm like, well, everybody does that. But I can see at least that particular song, Charm, being an example. Yeah, I probably was inadvertently. Uh, trying to sound like him or, or sounding like him, but anything else, especially from that album, I don't think it's close at all. So the album you've come to discuss today is none other than, go ahead. Back on the Block, Quincy Jones, 1989, Quest Records. Uh, okay, so um, what what is it about that album that, I guess, endears you to that album so much? Um... I love. I would love to say nostalgia because you know I, I'm very. I'm a very nostalgic person. But um, this is a really good album. It's a really good album. Um, we would play it. It came out in '89. I was six at the time. Um, I think we were living. I think we were living in Germany at the time. Yeah, Germany. Parents were stationed there in the military. And you know, um, your musical taste kind of shaped early on. Um, the '80s, the end of the '80s. You know, '89, '90. Um, had its music, but I was also listening to you know Spinners, seventies music, you know whatever my mom would play. Um, this is at the time a pretty current album, and one of the few current albums besides like Michael Jackson's Thriller or whatever else was out at the time that I actually was aware of. But anyway, um, a lot of nights we would just drive, you know, back and forth to wherever on the weekends, and that would be like the cassette tape my mom and dad would play, mostly my dad, and he would play it. And I just remember hearing like waking up one day off the, of a long trip, waking up in the middle of a long trip rather, uh, it was late uh, or almost home, but I woke up. And heard uh, Tevin Campbell's "Tomorrow" for the first time, and I was like, "What is this beautiful song? What right. the hell is this? Great song!" And I and I would go on to sample it, and then a lot of songs were back on the block as years went by. But that song in particular was like, "Whoa!" Like, like basically at the time I was hearing the album, but not really connected with it. But when I heard that song, I was like, "I hear the rest of this. I gotta hear whatever else is on this album." Like, really listen to it. So as a six-year-old, seven-year-old kid, I took my cassette, that cassette tape out of the car, and I played it in my Walkman, and I was like, "Wow, this is a really good album. It's one of the first albums I ever dissected. If I was ever a music critic, you know, I would have that was my would have my first album I ever would have reviewed back in like." seven, eight years old. But uh, yeah, I, I played it front to back. I know every fucking word almost. Like, it's a great album. Let me ask, were you offended when OC did Far From Yours? Um, With Chrisette Michelle. Mm-hmm. Not Chrisette Michelle. Uh, Evet Michelle. Michelle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the album also came out 
in 06, I want to say, the same year the Tron came out, the whatever Jules out. Was it Jules album? Uh, Jules, that's like 97. Yeah, you're right. You are right. Yeah. And it's funny because um, there's two album, two samples on that album, on my Charm album, that sample, an OC song. And I hadn't heard that album at the point. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was an OC fan, casually. I hadn't heard Jules. I had not heard Jules. And yet, somehow or another, um, I wound up sampling, you know, two songs he had used. And one of them was um, the Far From Your song. Um, when I read about when I read about it uh, uh, later on, I read that that was an attempt to have a mainstream type song. Yep, definitely. And and the hook was kind of whack. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, but um, I was more upset about the fact that because at the time I was producing, you know, I'm still producing my own music. It was a big thing back in the day, at least for me, to not kind of um, use the same sample somebody else used. So I so I made a beat and I was really happy with it. And I found out like like Ninth Wonder sampled it like two months later earlier. I'd be mad, like, man, fuck that. I want to get props on using the sample before anybody else did. So I really thought I was doing a big thing by sampling one of my favorite songs of my childhood. And come to find out, OC did it 10 years before I did. And I was like, ah, you know. But now I don't really care because, I mean, I don't. That it was like a non, it was like a nonsense thing to care about like someone sampling a song like like I like I own a song I didn't own you know oh, so you came. didn't hear it in '97 no I didn't I'm saying I was oh, like, that, yeah. I was asking like like when you first heard it were you like pissed that he just took one of your favorite songs and, yeah like I heard uh, it like ten years after the fact so I didn't right. hear it when it came out um because I was a casual OC fan but I didn't hear that album when it came out I didn't hear it until someone said hey Danny man nice OC uh OC um what do you call it homage I'm like oh what are you talking about and they sent me you know far from yours and the other the other song that samples uh, the same sample strange fruit charm whatever and I was like wow like what a coincidence and <laughs> I'm like damn you know like people are gonna think that I like intentionally did this and I didn't of course you know about times up when you did it right on where's Danny yeah yeah but I told yeah because goose picked that beat goose picked the sample and by then I was doing my research to make sure no one was you know using the same samples because again I cared about this at some point in my life I don't care anymore but at, at that point I really wanted to make sure that whatever we were using no one had heard before so even though it was already out I said fuck it we're gonna do it for this one and when we read it, when I read it, Where's Danny later on, it was one of the first beats to get redone. And that wound up being in the, the Sonos commercial with, uh, with Questlove. So, um, that was, huh? Yep. Shout out to Questlove. Shout out to Amir Thompson. Yep. Appreciate you, bro. Yep. I will <laughs> never slander him on this show. Nope. Like, I have another show. Oh, you know about the other show, Go On Radio. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's just, I, thought this, I thought this was for it. No, nah, this know. is Thursday Throwbacks, my other show. Okay, I thought it was like an edition of Go On Radio. No, nah, this is like a whole other... Okay. Yeah, a whole other series. Cool. Uh, yeah, on on uh, on going radio. I'm I'm pretty. You ever think about uh, hosting these somewhere like other than your site, like through? I gotta figure out where. You're the place you write for. I don't know. Oh no, they don't. No. It's like I mean, I, I'll I don't say, see why not. I'll say this on the. Uh, I guess I'll say this on the air. I don't think none of them will ever listen to it. Hmm. Did you ever see? Are you a fan of The Wire? Yeah. Casual. I don't, watch, I don't watch every season, but I know. Did you see season five? If I did, I probably don't remember enough to talk about okay. it. Okay. Uh, well, there, there was a scene where it was, like, really about to go down between uh, Mike, what's his rapper name? Um, the Pretty Boy. Um, Names escape me. I'm like... He, he's a famous rapper now. Now? Saigon? Huh? Not, not Saigon. Not, not Saigon. No, no. He's, he's a rapper singer. Uh, now? Yeah, he's a kid. Um... He's a kid now. He's like early 20s. Mm. Uh, heartthrob guy. I, I, I couldn't tell you his, uh, his... Designer? No, no, no. Uh, what's this guy? Little Poopy? No. Uh, from the wire. You're going to know him when I tell him. Uh, 
you're gonna know him when I. Mac Wilds, I believe. Mac, I think I've heard the name. Okay, well, he goes by Mac Wilds. Anyway, uh, are you familiar with uh, uh, the woman named Snoop? She's like a lesbian. Yeah, yeah. Felicia. Yeah. Okay, so there was a scene where lesbian Felicia. <laughs> Felicia Pearson. Uh, she yeah. was, she was like about to kill him, but he yeah. killed her first. Okay. And then she confronted him, mm -hmm. and she was like, "You were never one of us." Or whatever. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that's kind of how it is with me in that site. Like they respect me and they respect my talent, but mm. uh, I don't feel like I'm family. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I don't work for them. I'm, I'm free. Yeah. You're, you're pretty much. Yeah. Oh, you mean the you mean the staff, not the board, the message board posters. You mean the staff? Oh no, the staff. Okay. I thought you mean like people post there. I'm like, why would you, why'd you care about what they think? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> like, the staff, like I'm not family. Like I'm respected, but I'm not. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I mean. Yeah. You gotta understand too, like, I've been to the office obviously. There's literally like five people that work there, you know. Well, it's worn out, but yeah. Well, yeah, we're worn out, but you know, I honestly think they don't. I don't know if it's a respect thing or, or, a, or a lack of care. I just think they don't, they're self absorbed. They just have, they, they care about quests, maybe Black Thought. And no, 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 I'm talking about Hip Hop BX. Oh, you said, that, you said that site, and the first thing I thought you of was. You said the site I write for. Yeah, and I for some you said, but when you said that site, I immediately no, thought, no. I immediately thought, okay. no, no, no. I, 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 sorry, oh, you, you, I love OK Play. You want to get into a little going radio? We could, you want to get into a little, a we, little? We could do something. I'm here. Cause I hold grudges like a motherfucker. I don't care how long ago it was. This guy is a bulldozer. Christmas party. <laughs> Christmas when party. I saw you at? No, 2008. Okay. 2008 Christmas party. Uh huh. And nine years ago or eight years ago was too long to be holding a grudge like this, but I had a RSVP for the Christmas party at BB King's in New York. Yeah, yeah. Had a RSVP and everything. Jenny mm -hmm. uh, Seuss met me at the door and was like, "You're not getting not not you're not getting in, but you your name isn't on the list." Okay. And I was like, "What? I have a RSVP and everything. Mm -hmm. Your name isn't on the list. You, you can't get in." And I, and I was I was like so. Like respectful, so calm, so like sure, sure. just like kind of pleading my case, but I wasn't like pushy. I wasn't. Did you have like email confirmation or something you could show to? I didn't have an email confirmation, but gotcha. I had an RSVP that said my name was on the list. Sure. Right, and I was just calm about it. I was respectful. I wasn't nothing. Right. She says to the bouncer, "Get him out of the line." Wow. He's like he can't get in, and I mean I, I did get in by way of my man. Like my man was on RSVP list and he brought me with him. Sure. But like she didn't want you in for no reason. Jenny, um, uh, shout out to Jenny and OK Player. No disrespect to nobody, but I've learned after becoming a part of that family for the past few years, such as it is. Um, I don't know. I mean, nobody's much. gonna hear this. Okay, whatever. Well, yeah. uh, as far as I know, man, like the only thing I've ever seen Jenny do, the only thing I've ever seen Jenny do with my own eyes, the five, six, seven, eight years I've known her is police roots events. You can't get in, you can't get in. I've never seen her be anything other than like a line, you know, a, a line, uh, what do you call it, enforcer. If we speak Nick 20, I think 2013, the first year I went, or whenever year I went, um, there's me, Von P, and I think Donwell was up there, Danny Brown, you know, and you know, I was, you know, I was good, I had the VIP badge, but I remember seeing like other people that I know they're a fan like me and Vaughn, and I know should've gotten in, and like, nah, don't let him in, get him out of here. I'm like, Jenny, like, who are you, man? Like, what you doing? Yeah. You know, like, let him in. You know, and I get why, but you know, because everybody's gonna be like, oh, well, I gotta get in. But you gotta know if you know your name, if you know who I am. I don't see why. Yeah, I know you are. Even even me sometimes. Like, there was um, the same holiday party I last saw you at. 
in uh, in uh, Brooklyn Bowl. Um, I, I, got, I got let in, of course, but there was an upstairs like VIP room, and like ASAP Rocky was in there, Yazara, her fat ass was up there. Man, she got a fat ass. And uh, Yazara has a donk. Oh, man. She has a donk. Oh, oh man. Off the record, right? Anyway. No, that's staying on the record. Okay. I saw her perform at BB King, yeah. Yeah, King like at a, at a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Or it might have been a, a roots related thing. I don't remember. Probably was. But shout out to Yazra. They were all in the green VIP room, or whatever. And I was already like kind of backstage. No, it wasn't Yazra. It wasn't. It was really. It was no. I mean, it wasn't Yazra that I saw. It, oh, okay. I was, was gonna say. I was like, I, I called her Yazra. She said, hey, "What's it up?" It was. <laughs> so. What's the girl's name? Reese, R-E-S. Oh yeah, she was. Her butt is humongous. She was, I think she was there that night. I don't know, she was on Payback too, but I don't know if she was there. Her butt is humongous. Yeah, shout out to Reese. Um, but my point was that, yeah, uh, even when I was there, she wouldn't let me go, uh, Jenny wouldn't let me even go to the green VIP room. I was like, I'm signed to the label. I'm signed okay player and I can't even go to the VIP, it was crazy. So she's just a lie enforcer as far as I know. So anyway. Yeah, no, but off of that, uh, back yeah, anyway. to it. Back on the block. Sorry for all the segues. Sure, sure. Um, I guess, I mean, do you want to run through it song by song? Yeah. Like, I haven't yeah. pulled up. But I, yeah, um, I, like, I got to try listening to my head, I'm pretty like sure. Like I was saying, Mac Wilds, uh, that's how it is with me and, like, Hip Hop DX. Yeah. It's uh-huh. like, we respect you, but you're not really family. Oh, then that, yeah, I can see that. I can see them just kind of being like, you're just a contractor, you're on our payroll, yeah. but that's it. Yeah. You kind of got to be, I'm not sure where they're based at, but I'm sure you got to be in the fit. Oh, really? So you actually go to office and you... And that's, that's probably Two, why. three times a year. That's probably why. If you were there in their faces, I'm sure that's probably a big... Like, on a, on a professional level, yeah. I, I, I keep everything professional. So, so that, You got to, yeah. So that I don't, you know, get shit misconstrued. And yeah. so, so that I don't ever expect you know too much from them sure and you then, have to you have to do that you know for the sake of me not ever being bitter i just you know yeah i, I measure my expectations and i i know what to expect from them yeah that's the best so, way to go about it honestly. like there's, there's writers i'm not gonna say any names but there are writers that used to be down with them that are like extra bitter towards them now and it's just like dude what were you expecting like you just just turning your work yeah i think um I was guilty of that too back in the day, of kind of especially with OK players, just kind of expecting more since there's a history there than posting my music online as it is. The fact that I got discovered in the first place by Jay on their website, so I always assumed that they'd have my back. But after a while, I was like, I'm not saying that they don't, but I, you know, expected some things. You know, if I'm in New York shooting Jimmy Fallon, why can't I stay on someone's couch that works for the label? No, I gotta find my own. You know, so I, I understand the difference between professional and personal relationships for sure, and that's something you just learn as you as you get older. Uh, All right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We gotta get deep. Some deep shit. Uh, You can bring the track list up. To be honest with you, but to be honest with you, man, I'm probably gonna know it by heart. So let me correct correct me if I'm wrong. But other than that, let me let me take the wheels in the track list. Track number one should be what Q's rap. I wanna say. Yeah, it's just a prologue. Prologue. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, album overall, like I said, it was a good snapshot of my life at the time. Carefree kid. It's probably the reason why it's classic to me. Not only because it's uh, a great album, but I told you nostalgia plays a big part of it, and I think that. uh, just reminds me of the time, and I didn't have any worries, cares in the world. You know, he had some 10 year old, 11 year old kid talking about tomorrow's gonna be better if we just apply ourselves. And a six year old kid, like, yeah, yeah, of course I can. You know, like, yeah, I wanna be that. So it just made me, it was one of the first albums that made me feel like, like, well, first, like, I was, I could accomplish things. But also, it was a very, if you look back at it, especially even with the album cover itself, you know, you, you, you see a lot of, like, black culture from like the late 80s, 90s, like very Cosby Show-esque type stuff, you know, with the sweaters and the African Afrocentric art and the jazz stuff, you know, it was a lot of that on that album. 
and you know it was big at the time to be aware of who you were as, as, a, as a black person back then so you know the, there aren't too many songs that address that on the record but I know just being black and talented at the time meant something and I was very like I, I very much admired like Sadia, I think Sadia Garrett I think she was a songwriter on the album and like um, Saida Garrett. Sa yeah, Saida Garrett and um, yeah, and then he had all the greats on there, like Barry White. So yeah, bringing all these black people together to make a great album, it was incredible. It was a great. It was like a compilation. It was like a compilation that only Quincy Jones could pull off of that caliber and of that, um, of that uh, quality. For me, it was like it kind of bridged the gap between us and our parents because uh, we were the hip hop generation, and yeah. you know our parents respected older forms of black music, right. you know R and B. You know, soul, sure. from, you know, and all that. And but Quincy Jones showed a lot of uh, respect to to hip hop, and he kind of showed how it was a continuation of jazz. Yeah, you know? I think so too. Like, so I guess who would you say, or who do you feel, if you can remember, had the best uh, verse on Back on the Block? <laughs> this verse. Um, well, Ice T, I think, was first. Yep. And. Oh man, that's a, that's a good that's a good question. Big Daddy Kane lyrically, I think, was the best. But I think Kumo D had a good. Kumo D body. Yeah, I think Kumo D definitely, if not the best. Like very I'm not close. even a super duper Kumo D fan. Yeah. But he. he I think his energy, his energy, yeah, energy for, for definitely. I'm not saying his lyrics were white, but I think Big Daddy Kane came on the track like he normally does. I'm smooth. I'm this and that. And Kumo D is like. Dip, 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 dip. I'm like oh. Shit, it's almost like, and even even has a line where he's like, bebop and hip hop, and like that's exactly what the whole track sound like, like bebop and hip hop mixed together. How they fucking did it, I have no idea, but I think Kumodi's verse definitely had that energy that was needed for a track like that. So I definitely think he had the best part. And then shout out to the bridge that I think uh, Tevin Campbell sang yep. with the African Choir or something like that. They yep. sang the first part in English and the second part in like Swahili or I something like that. I think it was the Boys Choir of Harlem, and they were just taught the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. They sing like the first part in English and the second part in like the I think it was, I think it's Swahili. I'm pretty sure like the, Af the album had like an African undertone of like Swah. Swahili. So anyway. Okay, the next song was I don't go for that. I think at the time uh, I'm still mis mispronouncing her name. Sadia Saida Garrett. Saida Garrett. Yeah, she was. The um, vocalist from I want to say that's her on. Dennis Edwards, don't look any further. Yeah, oh yeah, it's definitely her. Yeah, at the time she was being pushed as like a vocalist. She wasn't. I think she either uh, didn't have an album out at the time, or she just put it out. But it almost was the equivalent of like Kanye putting like Lupe Fiasco on late registration, or just somebody trying to put somebody on by putting on this big record. So I appreciated that. I mean, not at the time, but as time went on, I, I appreciated him for doing that, Quincy Jones. But um, yeah, here's this little known vocalist. who's very good, and she's pretty much the secondary star of the show because she's on like three or four records. I would say. Um, but can't go for that. It's a good song. A very uh, '90s pop, '90s R&B pop rather. And um, I remember being a little cheesy on the production side, but again, her vocals are very strong. Very strong. Okay, I'll be good to you with a remake. I don't know who did the original. Uh, the, the, somebody brother. Brothers Johnson, which is also okay. who's also the original Tomorrow. We'll get to that later, of course. But I think, uh, and the reason probably for that is Quincy Jones. Produced produce for the original. Yeah, right. yeah, the original. And they also, I think they were signed to 
his label, Brothers Johnson, at some point. So I think that's the reason why the connection is there. I liked it. Uh, Ray Charles, I think, is on the song. Ray Charles and Shaka Khan. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I like the little playful little banter they have at the end, you know. Take my credit cards, American Express. Like, Ray Charles, I think, had passed away. Not long after that, right? Or uh, I don't know when he passed. Yeah, I forget too. But at the time when I heard it, I know that uh, when I was like younger. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was interesting because I think uh, as time, you know, as years went on, uh, I kind of got the idea in my mind to uh, to dote on women and buy them things in hopes they'll like me. And this was uh, one of those. At that age. Yeah, man. Like eight, six? At six, seven years old, I was already plotting on how to get girls. I was like wow. a Casanova already. I was kissing girls on a ping pong table, so I was like, so I was already doing a good job in that sense. But then I heard this song, so I'm like, oh, I gotta do is buy girls, you know, rings and flowers, that's it, you know, like whatever, but it's not necessarily true. Girls don't always, you know, like that or will treat you right. But the point is, that song, you know, I'll be good to you was definitely a. Uh, uh, interesting song in that respect because it seemed as if that's all it took and as a impressionable kid you know kind of shaped my romantic thoughts I guess or thoughts of romance at the time even as a young guy and then it wasn't until later like last year where I knew that it's not not all it's cracked up to be but it's a good song though the song not all it's cracked up to be or romance? the romance the aspect of it so I mean because I mean the song itself is not like romantic it's like I'll be good to you you know you, you treat me good now I'll buy you a car you treat me nice now you can use my American Express that's bullshit, <laughs> you know, but the time, like, yeah, I gotta get me American Express, mom. Like, what the fuck is that? Why are you, why would you do that? You're six. Get out of here. Okay. But, yeah. We be doing it. Take six, killed it. Probably my favorite joint on the album besides, uh... It's the most underrated, by far, song on the album. There is no instruments in that entire song. Right. It's an acapella party, is what it says. Right. I could talk about this song at length. Um, yeah, uh, Al Rose on it. Um, oh, is he? I thought it was all Take Six. No, they have both. No, they have um, Algero. I mean, take six two. But Algero, he sings the second verse. He's on the second. Oh, that's him. Yeah, uh -huh. and um, I think Sa I keep pronouncing her name. Sayed Garrett. Yeah, she's on too. I think I could be wrong about that, but um, but yeah, they have no instruments, and they're like the drums are like them beating them chest, their chest or whatever it is. Oh, like, I thought it was a dude like using his mouth. I mean, it's all it's a mixture of all these things. So like they do 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 do, do and then like it's. A lot of people doing uh, different instruments. There's, um, there's a line in the song too, where it's like, uh, "We got the lowest bass. We got the lowest bass possible. But there's no bass around." So they're pretty much talking. The song's pretty much about how good they are at doing an acapella uh, song, and they're right. The song is incredible. I the meaning to sample the song for the longest time, but I really have no. I don't even want to disrespect it like that. It's such a how great song. How can you sample it? Are you, you can't you just throw it into a beat. I, I mean, I could. I could take the bass line from that oh, song, which is okay. their mouths, like you said, and I could easily cut it up, but. It wouldn't do it justice. The reason why I sample music is I want to take it a step further. There's nothing I can do to improve on on that song. It's an incredible song. And not even from a producer standpoint. From a musician standpoint, when I was young, six, seven years old for the first time hearing it, I don't even, I don't, I don't even think I understood the concept of, of that at the time. I was like, okay, it's an acapella party. You know, they're... they're beating on tape, whatever they're doing to make music. But then as I got older, I'm like, it's really hard to do that. Like, it's not easy. These guys are really good at what they're doing. Then you have Take Six, who, who is an acapella band anyway, and uh, and they're bringing all I guess, their friends to help them out, and it's like they all sound like this one big, yeah, this orchestra that's not really an orchestra. There's, there's no, I don't think there's been a song since that's been that creative in that, in that way. Like, you know, we're the band, we're snapping our fingers, we're Doom, 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 like doing the bass line. I don't think there's been a song since then that's been nearly as creative. That's one of the, my favorite songs ever. Well, there was, uh... If you don't count like Rock Capello or like those Carmen San Diego dudes. Nah, like. there was... 
what is the name of it? I want to say the lesson part two, speaking of the roots, the lesson part two, or whatever it was yeah. called. Yeah. Uh, like the, the big uh, dice roll appearance from Oh yeah, you yeah. Want More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Rozel did that whole beat. Oh yeah, Rozel. With his mouth. Yeah, and like, one, he's one person, so that's different from the like, whole, like the everything, like all the sounds, all, yeah. the, all I, the drums. Did I, I stand the correct? Bass. I stand correctly. Yep, I forgot about that. Yep. yep. Definition is wild. I wrote graffiti as a juvenile. Resting on deuce tray and used to boost great kangos with 555 souls from the streets of the Philadelphia attic insane. For monetary gain, niggas are slain on the train. It's homicide for wealth stuff, missions for crack in the alleyways when niggas get grazed in the back from straight shots. Clips with hollow tips for your spine. I'll either remain calm, catch a rhyme to your mind. Niggas, you know my style. I run a motherfucking rap muck with Malik in the U-Haul truck. I stand five. For seven in command of the party and scam like Uncle Sam I'm never caught up in the glass eye of your action cam Cause I'm down low Artistic exquisite rap folk that get the dope It's the Philly Borough Dread Thoroughbred for Dolo I bag solo like a nigga that boosts polo Stepping through the corridor of metaphors Looking over my left shoulder the mic Still feel colder than before With this jazz shit I hit your jaw dice roar Get up on the mic, my young poor I be the nigga blowing up the spot on tour Surely real to the core My lungs collapse to relax until my knack for tracks Bring it back on time When I rhyme, my rep remain Either go against the grain or your ass is found slain I overcome Niggas want styles and I throw you some Show you some Get on the mic and take it over, son Dice roar Dice roar. The motherfucking wild noise Get on the mic Get on the mic and perpetrate in his void I leave niggas wishing an action like the dads in the projects My style like a nomad Travel around and catch rat I'm ill versatile with the skill no more Whack them seeds wanna flex but these styles ain't Got to know the real meaning of the ill shit, kid I knew mad damage, but never will catch a bed With my knapsack full of ill shit That I just boosted from the corner store When I let loose more flavor, that's me Ripping heads off from the scenes Niggas didn't play like Drew and come clean I beat down on the heads like drum machines Or 808s, cause my style flows out great And super spectacular with all the raw rap Pull a metal chair out my knapsack Across your back, crack Now do you feel the pain of I guess you're believing that I'm insane When I'm tagging my name up on the train I got so much pride, I got so much soul With lyrics hot to make niggas stop, drop the roll Now check me out one time Pull your ass, fast style's equivalent Of an AIDS-infected Glock blast Niggas know my style, plus they really want more Props from Mount Vernon to Mount Rushmore Okay, kid, you know my style is buck wild Little bit chill that you can never get When I'm thinking in particular flavor that you want I sit back and smoke a fat bun in class Unroll daddy, 
Like niggas with no Trojans on the stage when I'm on the got to keep my composure. Where I'm from, it's like a whole different world. Hop on a train, honey dipping, I'ma snatch your squirrels. Most corrupt motherfucking the 10th grade. Juvenile course, Judge McKay could not be. Don't ask me, honey, I'm not the one for stressing. If you wanna know, better ask brother question. Cause he know the time, like I know the time when I grab the microphone. It's like summertime, lay back to recline in my lazy boy chair. But other than that, yeah, few and far between. And that's in this the song itself is, is obviously a. Uh, I mean, it's got influences of I, as I hear it like this, you know, bebop and jazz, I think the whole album in general was like a jazz meets hip hop meets bebop kind of thing. And that song definitely encompassed that. Um, this is a great man. I can't stop talking about. This. It's a great. It's an incredible album from front to back. And um, I don't know. Like it was almost like it was this, it was a soundtrack of just to me black. Life back then. It was and one of my soundtracks, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the places you found love. The only song I don't like. You know what's funny? Because it comes on right after my favorite song on the album, um, I've been forced to listen to it over the years. When it first, when I first heard it, I wasn't crazy about it either. But um, you know, you know, you have a cassette tape and you can't press the rewind button fast enough sometimes. So you just let the song play. And I heard it, and it's it's a good song. It is actually a really good song. Okay. Um, Shaka Khan is on it, I believe. I think Syed, Sida, uh, I'm never gonna get her name right. Is on a song, but um, yeah, it's um, it's a pretty moving song about love, and I think the African voices. Even though I just talk, got done talking about how it was great for Black culture, I wasn't crazy about the African voices on the song. I didn't think they fit on that song, but the more I listened to it, it definitely grew on me. It was definitely the sleeper song on that album. Um, I would say my least favorite song on the album, if anything, was. Uh, it would have been, um, I can't think of the track listing right. Probably I can't go, I mean, I'm sorry, probably uh, I'll be good to you. Okay. But um, going back to that. But yeah, this one was was not my favorite at first, but it definitely grew on me. Um, I'm trying to think of something about the song. Um, you were soaking wet. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's one of those songs where it's a mood song. Definitely a song that puts you, either puts you in a mood or gets you, or get you out of it, if that makes any sense. Uh, most of the songs are kind of fun, but this one's like very, very, uh, just heavy, you know, production-wise, lyrics-wise. It's not my favorite, but it's one of the, to me, the strongest songs on there. It's probably one of the unsung songs on there. Uh, and it's actually funny, too, because a lot of those songs from the album weren't really singles. All you really know from this album is The Secret Garden and uh, Tomorrow. But that's one of those songs where it should have been in conversations too back then, I feel like, or even now, but they don't get mentioned a lot, which is unfortunate. But I like the song, I do now. Didn't I wasn't a fan the first either, like you, but I, it's grew on, it grew on me. I encourage you to listen to it again and reconsider your, your stance. I play the album annually or maybe every couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I, that, that song just never grew on me. I, th I just think like the mood of it is just too... I know it's not a... I know it's not a somber song, but it just sounds like it's just too yeah. dramatic, almost too serious. For the album's tone overall, I can see that, but even like it ends with it ends with um, Secret Garden, which yep. you know is romantic, but it's also kind of deep, or not deep, but you know, the moods change. It goes from, um, I think that, um, again, for me, it was just the, the voices. I, I think the production didn't match 
that song, but in retrospect, it kind of has. So, you know, it, it was a lot of things, but um, not my favorite, but one of my favorites for sure. My favorite song, uh, I consider it one song, uh, Jazz Corner of the World in Berlin. Yeah. Because they, um, they, you know, they jump right into one another. Yeah. That's my favorite song. Oh, the one with the prelude and then the, the song? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they have these uh, excerpts from uh, these jazz greats, Miles Davis has a little part. Um, I don't know what it, I, you know, I don't know Quincy Jones' history like that to know how he got to work with all these great people, but they respect and, and love that man. And you can hear when they talk I mean, about... his jazz history is deep. Like, he, oh. I'm sure he worked with Miles Davis before. Yeah, I mean, even saying that, I mean, but to, to work with him is one thing, but to work with him for years and years yeah. to the point where, like, you have Ella Fitzgerald on your album that's right. in the 90s. Like, you must have a really good history with these people. So it just speaks about Quincy Jones as, like, not only influence, but his likability. I don't know, the, I mean... Uh, uh, talent you know obviously you want to work with somebody that's talented so hearing all these great jazz uh, musicians talk about how it was starting off in their careers and or whatever they were talking about right, you know this is after mind you this is after thriller in bed yeah Man. like literally directly after i think well actually bad came out bad was like 88 maybe i thought bad was 91 no bad dangerous was 91 you're right bad was 88 yeah because i went to the tour mm -hmm. you went to the tour madison square garden nice i didn't go i wish i, wish I was there yep. yeah so I was already familiar with Birdland at the time, the song. Um, hearing it revamped for the 90s. To be honest with you, that's one of the songs that also kind of grew on me, not because it's a bad song. I didn't, I think the, I thought it was kind of overproduced. Not back then, but like the Simon on. But um, I thought it was overproduced. It sounded very 90s and very kind of cheesy with the They were synthy. trying to do like a, yeah, yeah like I mean, the, version. That was a point, yeah. And, then, and I remember the older versions. I'm like, this, nah, this is not, nah. Like, uh, some, I mean, the majority of those songs on there, or at least half of them were covers. So I was cool with Tomorrow, I was cool with um, uh, I'll Be Good To You, but this one was not one of my favorite covers they did. Even September, which we'll get to in a second, I'm sure, uh, is a cover song. And they're all brilliant covers, but this one I wasn't crazy about. It's, I still like it because I like Birdland, I like the song in general, so I'll always like it. But this version of it, I honestly will say that it's not my favorite cover, it's not my favorite song on the album. I do like the prelude, I like the interlude before it, but it just felt overproduced, for okay. sure. Um, I actually wound up, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, I mean, I keep trying to insert it in there, but you know, a lot of songs from Back on the Block, I either sample at some point or, or put in my album. So in the very end of Where's Danny, which we talked about earlier, I think I took the part off Berlin, where she's, uh, I think it's Ella Fitzgerald's like, how about a big hand there? No, Sarah, oh. I'm sorry, Sarah Vaughn. Sarah Vaughn, how about a big hand there? Thank you. And I put it at the end of, uh, where it closes out the Where's Danny album. So, basically, every every album since, I would say, every album since, like, Charm, I would say, including the Fly song, um, I had a Back on the Block either sample or snippet in the album. Every single every single album, even back, uh, Payback, I want to say, has some Back on the Block homage. And that one, that song, even though it's not my favorite song, um, I wound up taking part of it anyway to use uh, on my album. Okay, so September, I know you sampled that on Payback, the one that came out. Sure did. Um, and I wasn't crazy about the beat. Um, the beat that I made. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about how pay, the second version of Payback was rushed in a way. But when I did that, I was on a Timbaland vibe, so I took the song. But it's funny, um, when I first heard the album, uh, Back on the Block, this is another song I liked a lot off uh, first listen. It's very soothing. It's very spa, waiting room music. A lot of people say that Drake's music is very like spa, waiting room, production-wise. Like, okay. So it was one of the first examples of that to me. Uh, but, you know, Take Six is a very good group. Yep. And and they do good acapella, but it's also 
cool hearing them over with like decent production. So Septembro is a, a Brazilian wedding song. Um, first, I think first performed, I could be wrong, but first performed by... Uh, Earth, Wind & Fire? No. Oh. You're thinking September. <laughs> That's different. No, there was, oh. a, there was another Brazilian song that they did. Might have. They made Earth, Wind & Fire did. I don't think it was this. But uh, Earth, Wind & Fire did like another Brazilian song. I think I know you're talking about. I don't think it's September. Okay. I, could, I could be right to look it up. If, it's new, if it is, hey, I know something new today. But um, yeah, they. I think Ivan... Let me look it up. September Ivan. Um, basically, it was his song first, and then there was another cover version of it by a guy named uh, Pedro Aznar that was really good. It has a great ending. But um, I hadn't heard any of those versions when I first heard uh, this version. I didn't even know it was a cover until like a couple years ago. But um, I think his name is Ivan Lins. So his name is Ivan Lins. He's a Brazilian artist. So he's a, I'm sorry, Portuguese artist. So it was his song first, and then uh, Pedro Aznar covered it. It wasn't a very... Uh, popular song until that version came out and it was just an incredible song it's uh if i ever get married in brazil that's that's playing for sure it's uh it's moody it's tranquil puts you at peace you know um again when you're a kid waking up on a long road trip in the middle of the night you're almost home you wake up and you hear the song it's almost like everything's right with the world i'm gonna go back to sleep so that's how it first became my favorite song as time went on yeah it's just well arranged the whole album is pretty much well arranged this song was definitely a good example of that now it's a cover song that I don't even, I'm not even sure if Quincy wrote it for somebody else and whatever, but um, it's a cover song, but it's still the embellishments that he put on it was definitely nothing short of like amazing. Okay. For sure. Uh, one man, woman, it grew on me. Like I wasn't crazy about it yeah. at first because it just it did, it didn't really fit the the vibe or the mood of the album. At that like point, it, at it that just point, came it came out of nowhere. Yeah, like, that album had like a little trajectory, and I think at the time, like it's it's in line with her other song, uh, "Can't Go for That." They they both right. sound like could have been the same record, her record, but with the album was going at the time, yeah, it was kind of like, you know, acapella party, places you'll find love, jazz. Now you're up a high, take it back down, they shoot back up all the way with uh, what's it called it, um, one man woman. But I like the song though, I do like it. I can't profess to liking it as much back then, but you know, a lot of the album, like I said, I just had certain songs when I was six or seven that I picked out that I played back back and forth. When I played the album in full years later, and I listened to songs I hadn't listened to in depth before, you know, I hear the complexities of certain songs. There's a lot going on in that in that track that's actually pretty impressive, even though it sounded like a cheesy pop song at the time. But um, it's actually a decent record. Uh, does it belong on Back on the Block? Well, yeah, maybe, but maybe if you know what. The album is sequenced pretty well, back on the block, but it could use some, it could have used some changing around. I would have put, I would have put either Can't Go For That or One Man Woman on the album. I don't know if I would have put both of them on there. I don't know. But I do like the record though. It's one of my favorites. It um, In two minutes or less tomorrow, because I know you could sit here all day about that. Wait, say it again? I said in two minutes or less tomorrow, because I know you could sit here for like another hour. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can talk about, about tomorrow forever. Man, um, you're, 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 you're eight, you're nine years old, you see a kid singing about life, and he's like, it's going to be okay. Like, the other day, I, I don't mean to plug myself, but I uh, was shooting a segment for Sesame Street yesterday, and I was, uh, I have a song, that's a Wheels in the Bus uh, remix, and I'm, I'm not just singing Wheels in the Bus, I'm talking about how like life is cyclical, how like things go around and come around, like the wheels in the bus, and I'm teaching these kids, and they're really impressionable, they're really like, yeah, everything's gonna be okay, life just goes around and comes around, da 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 da, and I'm like, so impressed by these kids, and that reminds me of myself instantly, like, listening to Tevin Campbell years ago tell me, life's gonna be okay, tomorrow's another day, and I'm like, 
not saying I'm Devin Campbell, but the point is I can understand how impactful that as a song could be uh, for me at that age at the time. But yeah, I was on Video Soul a lot, on BET, it was on Video Soul, it was on, you know, it was one of the only singles, one of the few singles released on the record. I loved it, and I was in love with it the first time I heard it. It's the reason why I went back to listen to that whole album in full uh, years later, but yeah. Uh, great song. Cover cover version of Brothers Johnson. The song actually had no lyrics at the beginning uh, when it was written in the 70s. And uh, and that's actually the version that OC sampled, not the Tevin Campbell song, uh, version. Well, they took the lyrics, really from the lyrics, I guess, but yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah, um, it's a good cover version. Great, best one of the best covers I've ever heard. And uh, like the bridge is incredible. Yeah. If we try, man, don't give me that. I'm gonna be singing it. I'm not not me where the, where the choir comes in. Dun, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, to even have a song that's at the time 20 years old, no. I'm sorry, like 10 years old at the time, whatever. But um, have a song that was lyricless for 10 years, write lyrics to 10 years later and have it be incredible, that's that's something like this. Quincy Jones, shout out to Quincy Jones, you're a genius. But that song ultimately, in a lot of ways, changed my life, shaped my life, and made me believe in myself very early on in my life. So. Shout out to tomorrow, better you, better me. Listen to it if you haven't already. All right, finally, uh, Secret Garden. Um, again, at that point in my life, even at six years old, I was a Casanova and, and of sorts. You know, I was costing young girls and making out with them, and you know, in latchkey class, whatever the fuck you call it. So uh, hearing that song, hearing all these, you know, these men, older men woo this this mystery woman. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I need to do more of that. But more than that, um. The song itself is just very seductive. I mean, the song's called Secret Garden, Sweet Seduction Suite. And yeah, I, if I was a woman, I'm sure I like that song a lot more. I mean, I'm like, oh, you know, but um, I think it was cool how he got R&B legends of like past, present, and this is past and present, because I don't think anybody like up and coming was on that song. It was just like Elder Bar. Maybe, was Abby sure on that? He was on it. Okay, he, he, was, was, probably, he was up and coming. He's probably the only person he had up and coming. But yeah, so past, present, and future you had uh james james ingram i think it was yep. delta bars on it yep. uh very white obviously um the one thing that has i love the song this one one of my favorite songs of all time one of my favorites on the record but i think in 2009 or 10 quincy had the idea they just update the song with Usher. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah, Robin yeah, Thicke I, and some shit. I don't know if I've heard it, but I think I heard about it and I was like, I refuse to go near this. I did it. I listened to it, man, and I gotta tell you, I wish I never did. I it wasn't good? It had a trap beat on it when uh, trap music was already started. Was it? Yeah, man. Oh, it was, man. If not trap, like, dancing. Like, very, like, and, like, that's not even how this, no, I should never listen to the song, but I blanked that song out of my mind, that version of the song out of my mind. Which goes to show you that, you know, not all Quincy Jones covers are great, but shout out to Quincy Jones. That song originally should stay in this place. There's no way. Oh, what made it worse is I think they kept Barry White's part. So you got Barry White singing next to Usher. And, like, I think Jermaine Dupree was on it, which is really weird. You can look it up right now. It's really fucking weird. So, yeah, I didn't like the way they did that. Um, I get it. You know, you, you back on the block had covers on it, so it's only right to cover some song 10 years from now. But... You know, but at the same time, John Legend also did redid Tomorrow Better You Better Me, which I also didn't did like. Yeah, on that, on, I think on the same album that that was on. I think on, I want to say whatever album that was, there were a lot of there were a lot of covers from Back on the Block that I again I ignored and I don't listen to. Wow. But John Legend redid um, Tomorrow. You know, he sounds tomorrow like it didn't yeah. sound at all. Good. Yeah, oh. it's not this, it's something different when you hear a song as a kid, hearing these kids sing a song to you about life versus 
some milk toast, you know, R&B singer that I can't do some. He's on he's on playback, whether he knows it or not. But yeah, I um I love the original version. I don't care for the remake with Jermaine Dupree and, and Quincy Jones. All right, that that covers. If you had to pick a song to play uh, from the album right now or in general for the show. Oh yeah. Acapella party, we be doing. Absolutely, okay. favorite favorite joint of the album. All right, let's get into that. We got that rhythm pumping up a beat without a drummer. Tell me ain't it tough We got a great big bottom Getting down Got the only low bass, baby When there ain't no bass around Oh, we can jam In the human Uh, 
Book of Daniel was uh, after uh, it started coming after a long relationship with a, with a weird and bizarre girl, and I had taken a, a hiatus from music, whether I liked it or not, because I was so engrossed with her. So when I got done with it, my outlook on life was very, very, I don't say bitter, but very enlightened. Like, oh, this is what life's all about. Oh, you know, shit's whack. You know, we just gotta do what you gotta do. So I started making the album with this renewed sense of like urgency to tell the world, hey man, like life sucks, but you gotta do what you gotta do. And I got- Life can definitely suck depending on- <laughs> Your perspective. The, the person you choose to date at the time. Yeah. That and, can fuck up everything. Yeah, and well, when you're with somebody who jeopardizes your freedom and, and calls the police on you for right. things you didn't do, you know, that, that's already right. gonna be an indication of what it was like. Yeah. So being with that for like a year and a half, getting out of it. And a year and a half. A year and a half. And this is following a, a divorce from someone else. So you got one bad relationship to another. You kind of really don't feel like doing music, you know, for a while. So I was out of the game no for a names, while. No names, but um, you, we're not gonna say her name. But sure. do you remember the ex that I introduced to your music like in the MySpace days? I do remember this. Okay, yes. she's, she's not wild. She's not, Wound up too tight. I don't know how she's in 2016. Sure, but when at the time she was. Our time together, she was not wound up too tight. Yeah, and I can understand. And you know what it is, man. I mean, for without going too much into that, um, sometimes people will just never change. You know, the big thing when we were together was like, oh no, I'm just this is how it was always my life, and I want to change for you, but it never happened. So I feel right. like even though yeah. it sounds good, no one wants to change except they, unless no. they want to. Yeah. And that's fine. The, the album's a lot about that, and it's not even so much about her, but it's about all the things I've learned throughout life that culminated with her. But it's Everything, every relationship I've ever had. I mean, even right now, like me and me and me, and, our mirror aren't that tight. Not because of you know me or anything like that, but because life goes on, people right. have priorities. So it's like you understand that's just how it is. So the album's about just life being how it is and dealing with it the best way you can. Having said that, um, I'm still working on it. It's pretty much like all the tracks are picked out at the record to it. My biggest challenge in getting music out in a timely manner especially considering what Tommy Manor is in 2016, my biggest challenge has always been not having access to my own studio. It's always been not having a microphone in my house. If I had a mic, I'd put out lap mad music. The only reason why Danny Swain doesn't flood the market with music is because I just don't have a studio. It costs me money to buy records. And when, and I don't mind doing that, but when you figure the diminished returns of that all the time, not, or most of the time, it's like, why would I spend 400 bucks on a studio session for a song that two dope boys may or may not pick up and that's the best you know like I want to make sure my shit's everywhere not and you're up there like two days yeah two days for two days I feel like again before the next person song you know that, or even if it wasn't a prominent site you know like again I not to be whatever I know the sound's entitled and, and no one owes me anything don't get me wrong but you know I got I got some stuff going on I don't see why you know I can't just send something to a pitchfork and they automatically put, I mean that's, that's how I used to feel I don't feel like this anymore but at the time I didn't see any point of putting my all to a song that may or may not even make it past a day or two. So that's been a big hold up, but I'm past that now. And what I've done is actually, uh, I've started making music. The, the music, the music evolved. As I was sitting on this music, it evolves from these like Neo Timbaland type beats, which still a lot are, to like, almost like a folky kind of sound that I never knew I could do. So I don't want to compare it to Rory. I don't want to compare my music to anybody else as long as I live. but. Um, Rory gets a lot of credit for starting this whole folk rap thing, I guess it is. But and I'm not doing that, going that route. But I think that I've taken a step further. And this is you know, I've, I've done this. And I didn't even know he was doing it until someone told me. But when I heard it, I was like, okay, this is kind of what I was doing. But I've improved on it in this way. And I think that the album overall is going to have a, a mix of genres similar to how and I love her was. 
but definitely updated, definitely something to uh, timely and, and, and hopefully timeless. Um, so the only thing holding it up right now, honestly, is just me going into the studio to record it, man. I, got, I should've brought my laptop, I would've played some shit, but, um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely on the way. Okay. Uh, and, and I will say another thing that held it up real quick is uh, I started the label. I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but I started the label uh, called Star Tower. Yep. Around the same time that I was about to wrap the album up, and um, and I signed some acts that you know are getting some burn, some kind of like torn between, you know, managing them in a way or not managing them, but producing their records and producing my own. So I don't mind taking the backseat for a few months, I guess it is, to help someone else's career before I get back to mine. I'll always be there in LA right now doing awesome shit. I don't care to knock out song for a couple months if that's what it helps somebody else to get where they gotta be. So it's coming out, I swear to God it is. I want it out more than anybody else because I just want people to, the point of the album, like I said, is to let you peek into my life, my book, you know, my 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 life is my book. Peek into my life to maybe help enhance yours. You know, don't, Hove did that, so hopefully you won't have to go through that. So if I have a song about break, breakups or whatever it is, know what to look out for, you know what I'm saying? Constellations is the first single, and I think that that is a big indication of how the album's content is going to be. A little bit of singing, a lot of singing, actually, to be honest with you, but um, just a lot of life lessons just on the record. All right, uh, that should about sum it up. Tell the people where they can find you online, uh, you know. Uh, sure, All well. social media stuff. Is, uh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, Google. I'm still number one Danny on Google. Shout out to Google for, you know, making me number one Danny on, on there. Out of anybody? Out of anybody. I'm the first type of Danny. I'm the first mofo that comes up. Don't know how it happened. I guess it is what it is. But um, social media and everything else, it's all, all Danny Swing. Uh, D-A-N-N-Y, S-W-A-I-N. And yeah. Tumblr. To every, Danny Swain, Tumblr, Danny Swain, uh, Twitter, okay. Danny Swain. Yeah, pretty much everything is Danny Swain. Uh, my ask.fm account still active, I'm sure. I don't use it, but send me questions there if you want to reach out to me for real, for real. Um, I'm mostly on, honestly, man, I don't even know. Like, I don't get on Twitter like that anymore. Uh, I'm sort of kind of on Instagram, but, you know, it, it, it's there. It's there. My phone gets notifications like anybody else's does. Holler at me if I get back to you. I get back to you if I don't. Whatever. But the music, the music uh, should be rolling out mostly through uh, the website relaunch, which is going to happen next week, I believe. DannySwain.com. So check out that as well. Okay. So by the time this episode comes out, uh, yeah, should Danny definitely Swain. be up. Dot com will be up. Absolutely. All right, man. Thank you for coming through. Anytime, dude.